the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through 1 Corinthians. You wouldn't build a structure, a temple, with alternating materials of marble and then wood and then gold and then straw. He says if you build something like that, it will show you know what it's really made of and it will crumble. So he, he's saying don't compromise the work of God in any way. Make sure that you're building it in such a way that glorifies God, built on the foundation of Jesus Christ, because that day is going to come, and the judgment day is going to expose all this other stuff that was all man-made, man-contrived, man-centered, man-focused. What foundation is your house built upon? In today's message from Pastor Gary, he teaches you the difference between a house that is built upon the sand and a house that's built upon a rock. When your house is built upon the sand, like the world, it will crumble the second a storm comes in. But Pastor Gary explains that when your house is built upon the Lord, your rock, it is firm and secure. You don't have to worry about it falling over when a storm comes, because its foundation is stable. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2 with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. But if you say to other people, the Lord told me to, you know, go to some foreign place that is this God-forsaken, you know, anyway, Michigan or something, and and you're like, I... I, and, and somebody's going to be like, I can't believe you're actually making a decision like that and you don't even have a job lined up. You don't have any schools. Li- no, we're just trusting the Lord. What does that even mean? So people who don't have Christ and don't know Christ are going to look at you like you're out of your mind. And that's because the man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. They're foolishness to him. And it only is when someone opens up their heart and receives Christ And then the Spirit of God comes within them and bears witness to truth that they get it. All right? You know, you know, the, the, the uh, campaign ad slogan for the Washington Post, you know, if you don't get it, you don't get it, right? And the idea is if you don't get the Washington Post, then you don't, you don't get the latest information that's out there as if the Washington Post had great information out there, but I digress in my thoughts. Did I say that out loud? Anyway. But, you know, the ad campaign is if you don't get it, you don't get it. And it's the same thing in the principle of Christianity. It's like if somebody doesn't have the Spirit, they won't get it until you get it. When you get the Spirit of God, then you understand these things that are spiritually discerned. Until then, expect that some people will think you are out of your mind for the way that you live or the way that you conduct business. Or the way you raise your kids and manage your money and do everything that you do. Because if you try to live your life according to the way that Scripture gives us guidance and direction, 
those who don't have the Spirit will not understand what you're saying. So a couple of weeks ago, I gave the, every four year the election day sermon, right? So a couple of weeks ago, I gave the election day sermon and pretty much for the most part, pretty well received. And you all are very gentle and kind to me. Okay. Intercessors for America took a clip of it, put it on their Facebook page. It has over 51,000 views now, and you should read some of the comments. All right. Now, most of them very nice, very loving, very supportive. And then there's some other people who are very, you talk about the haters out there. I mean, wow. I, I was reading through some of it, this one lady. And, and the, the clip that they, that they put up was just the part about, I'm going to share the party platforms. You just let the words, you, you hear the words, and you decide whether or not these words of this platform or these words of the other platform more, more closely aligns with a biblical worldview. And I, you know, people were writing hate stuff like, well, there's no such thing as a biblical worldview. Yes, it's when, it's when you look at the world through the lens of Scripture. But then worse stuff, it was like, you bigot, and uh, we hope God doesn't uh, hurt your children. I mean, it was stuff like that. And I was just like reading through this, like, seriously? All I did was like put up words, and, and like, all you have to do is like, you know, use. But see, if you don't have the Spirit, you don't discern those things, and so it just comes across as crazy and ridiculous. And that's how it will be for you when you try to live out your faith and you just try to honor God and do what pleases God because you know what is right and you know what is wrong and you know what God's word says and you know what it doesn't say. There will be some people who will become haters and there will be some people who will object because they don't see the world the same way you do through the same lens that you do. This is what he's saying here. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So they need the Spirit of God to be able to spiritually see and recognize and understand these things. Now what does it mean in verse 15 when he said, The spiritual man makes judgments about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. It it doesn't mean that a Christian is above scrutiny or above the law or anything like that. It just means that... A, a spiritual man or woman, somebody who has the Spirit of God, is able to discern things in a broad in a broad way. Someone who is, as King James says, the natural man, or just or NIV says, uh, the one without the Spirit, they have a very limited ability to discern things. And so, what he's saying is that this, the spiritual man is able to, you know, see a lot more things, and therefore, the one who doesn't have the Spirit can't really, uh, because he, he or she can't discern things by the Spirit, can't really pass judgment on you. They can't really pass, because they don't, again, they don't get it. So, so if you're trying to live your life for the glory of God, you know, don't worry about the haters. They can't really pass judgment on you because they don't, they don't really see everything through the same lens that you and I see it. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? And he says, but we have the mind of Christ. That's a companion verse to verse 10, but God has revealed it to us by his spirit is verse 10. And then this verse, but we have the mind of Christ. And so he says there at the end of chapter two, walk in the wisdom of heaven. He says, we, we have the mind of Christ. So walk in the wisdom of heaven and live your life in such a way that it just honors God. And don't worry about the people who, who won't understand because they're, they just have an earthly wisdom, but they don't have a heavenly wisdom. Live your life according to the wisdom of heaven, and walk in that wisdom. Now into chapter 3 here, this is where it gets a, a, you know, a little tricky because he, he's going he's gonna to spank him a little bit here in chapter 3. And he, and he starts out in verse 1. He says, Brothers, 
I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly. Uh, If you have a King James Bible, it says carnal. Uh, It is from the Latin word carnalis, which means flesh, just, you know, human flesh. He says, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere men? In other words, are you not just being like the world, like the natural person who who, who doesn't have the Spirit of God? Why are you living like this? And he uses the term worldly or carnal, depending on your translation, three times in those first four verses that I just read. Now, again, some will read this chapter and say, well, these people aren't even saved, and that's why Paul is addressing them as worldly. But when you notice again how verse 1 starts, he calls them brothers. Uh, And again, it's understood sisters. He's writing to this whole church. And so he's addressing them as believers right out of the gate here. But he says, but you as believers are looking a lot like the world because you're doing things and you're living in such a way that you mimic more of the world than you do anything else. Now, again, it sounds like an oxymoron to say, a worldly Christian or a carnal Christian. And it's interesting because chapter 2 that we just read was really about worldly people and spiritual people. And then you get to chapter 3 and he's like, and there are some of you who are a little bit of both. He says there's some overlap in some of your lives where you are these worldly brothers, you are these worldly sisters. You, you You are not living distinct and clear lives in, in your world. You're looking too much like the world. And he says, you're, you're like baby Christians. Now, again, remember, he left them five years ago. So what he's thinking is, you should be further along than this in five years. You know, you shouldn't be doing some of these things. And again, we have an overview of the whole book. So he's, you know, there shouldn't be sexual immorality. You shouldn't be suing the pants off each other. You shouldn't be getting drunk in communion. You shouldn't be abusing spiritual gifts. All this kind of stuff that they're doing. He's like, these are, you're acting like babies. You're infants. You should be more mature than this. He says, indeed, you know, he said, I gave you milk. Not solid food. You're not even ready for it. Okay, and this whole beautiful comparison to to babies. Now, I don't know if I happen to mention this, but we have a beautiful granddaughter now. And uh, the most beautiful baby that I've ever seen. Um, But anyhow, you know, she's going through the bottle phase right now. She's only, what, about uh, October, about eight, nine, ten weeks now. And and so she gets kind of colicky from from. From the bottle because you know she's she's I guess all sucking in too much air and so we went out the other day Terry went out the other day and got this special bottle that's supposed to help with colic but that's just the way it goes with babies right when they when they're still on the bottle they're still drinking milk they're still being nursed that's because they're little you know you're you're not going to give you're not going to give a, a ten a ten week old uh, a hot dog it's, they're just not ready for it. Uh, and so it's just milk right now. And then as they get older, you know, you start to introduce some Gerbers. And uh, do they still make Gerbers? I don't even know. That's, that's dating me. Is Gerber still the food of, of, of a child today? Okay. So they still, I don't know. We haven't gotten to that phase yet. It's been a long time ago since, since we were feeding our kids Gerbers. So, but you, you move from the bottle or nursing and then you, and then you go to Gerbers and then, it, then it's mashed up soft food. And, and then eventually, you know, it's, it's steak, right? But that's way down the road. And it makes complete sense when a child is, is still nursing and drinking milk 
that they would also be in diapers. That's just part of the package. You know, you're a little baby, so you drink milk and you wear diapers. And you put them in their little high chairs and you fasten them in now and you, and, and you feed them. But that's normal for a baby. What would not be normal is if you're 25 and still in a high chair wearing diapers. <laughs> and Paul's basically saying, you people are not normal. You should be further along than this. I had to give you milk like a little baby. But you, sh- you should be much further along than this. And that's why he says, you're worldly. You're carnal. Because you've not gone on to maturity. Now, he's going to address this. The big question here in chapter 3 is, why are there carnal or worldly Christians? Again, it is possible. And, and when we read through the chapter, we'll come back and, and answer the question. But, but let's just read on so that we can get an understanding of, uh, uh, of the whole context here. So in verse 4, he addresses one of their worldly things, which is this jealousy stuff that is going on about who is more important, Paul or Apollos. And so it's this personality worship. And he says, listen, he says in verse 4, this is the reason I had to address you as, as worldly. He says, for when one says, I follow Paul, another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere men? I mean, you know, that's, 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 what, that's what people do for rock stars, you know. It's just like, oh, you know, this person. And it's like this rock star worship stuff. And Paul's like, you know, stop doing this. That's, that's what people in the world do. Don't do this out of your spiritual leaders. And he goes on in verse 5, he says, what after all is Apollos? And what is Paul himself, you know, writing this? Only servants, only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. Okay, the word servants there is in the Greek diakonos, is where we get our English word deacon or minister. He's like, that's all we are. We're just vessels. We're just servants through whom you came to believe. Now, I, I love, you know, I love everybody in terms of their stage spiritually, but I have a particular soft spot for people who are baby Christians or brand new Christians and they don't know any differently. And every once in a while, after I will give an invitation for people to receive Christ and people receive Christ every once in a while, I will have people come up to me and they will say, Pastor Gary, thank you for saving me. Okay. Now I know what they mean, but I have to gently correct them. So, well, I just want you to know I didn't save you. Okay. God saved you. I was just the vessel that God worked through to bring you to that place in Christ. And it's totally innocent what they're saying, but I just have to quickly correct it because, you know, this is the exact thing that Paul's saying here. He's like, no, nothing special about Apollos, nothing special about Paul, nothing special about Gary or any of our pastors here. We're just servants of the Lord and we're vessels through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. Now, what task? Well, he goes on. Verse 6, I planted the seed. That was my task. And in this case, he says, and Apollos watered it. But notice, he says, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labor, for we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. All right, so he wants to quickly tamp down this idea that human people are, are the ones that are special. It's, it's God who is special. It is God who saves. It is God who makes 
uh, people grow and come to faith in Jesus Christ. Paul says, we only have these small tasks involved in this whole process. He, he says in his particular case here, he says, I planted, all right, I planted a seed. You know, I, I spoke about the gospel. I told the story about Christ and I got people to think I planted the seed. Apollos came along after me. He said some more things, and what it effectively did was to water the seed that I had planted, but only God is the one who causes it to grow. Okay, now this is liberating for every single one of us, and here's the reason why. Not, not just because I'm a pastor. This is liberating for every single one of us, and here's the reason. Because all of us have this wonderful responsibility and opportunity to share our faith with whomever God puts along our path, at whatever the right time and whatever right appointment, and God will give you the right words, and we have this wonderful privilege of sharing our faith, okay? But you know why a lot of people are hesitant to share their faith? Is because they feel like, unless I can close the deal from A to Z, I might as well not even share it all. And the enemy loves to convince us that you might as well not even open your mouth at all because by the you know you're sitting on a on on metro with somebody and the the next stop is in about 10 minutes i'm not even going to get through the whole gospel presentation in 10 minutes with this person sitting next to me so why even bother all right and the reason you should bother is because it may only be your role is to plant the seed Okay, that might be the only reason you're sitting next to that person is because there's a providential appointment and all you're supposed to do is plant the seed. It's not up to you to, quote, close the deal. No one of us can ever get someone saved. That's God's work. But our work is to plant the seed and to water it and then let God give the increase. And I'm convinced having the wonderful privilege of giving invitations and, you know, seeing people come to faith in Christ All I'm doing is watering what somebody else has already planted, and God is then bringing the increase. And you don't know if but that your five minutes with someone is to plant it or to water it. None of us knows. You don't know if you don't know that there's think about your coworkers for a minute. Think about your neighbors. Think about people that you know. You don't know but that God has already put other people along their path with the same news about Jesus Christ. And that your responsibility is just to come along now and water that. All right? But if we believe the lie, and all, you know, Satan is a liar and the father of lies, okay? So if we believe the lie that the enemy is always trying to convince us about, don't bother sharing your faith. You don't know what to say. You don't have enough time. They probably won't believe anyway. Then you are, in effect, robbing the opportunity to be used by the Lord in a wonderful way, which may simply be to plant the seed or may simply be to water the seed. And so because we don't know, just be prepared to always be that vessel that God might use to either plant or to water. It's not up to you to bring them to salvation. It's not up to me to bring anybody to salvation. That's the work of God. But we need to be planters or waterers because God is the grower. Amen? And you need to be looking. We all need to be looking for opportunities and for these divine appointments. You know, why is that person sitting next to you on that plane? Why is that person now in the cubicle next to you? Why did that person and that family move across the street from you? I think we should always be looking with eyes of intention that God may very well be orchestrating things and bringing people along our path so that we can be, just like Paul says here, vessels that God would use. And because we never know, 
we should just be faithful to do our little part. Maybe plant, maybe water, but God will give the increase. So no special favor about people or personalities, no rock stars in the church, no glorification of people or human beings. Paul really addresses this. He goes, this, this is part of the reason why you guys are worldly in the church at Corinth. Because you, you're treating people and putting them on pedestals and making too much out of the people. It's about the Lord, and it's about the Lord simply using people as vessels. I heard Pastor Chuck Smith say years ago before he went home to be with the Lord, he said, he said in his wonderful voice, he said, you know, if you were going in for surgery and they had to cut you open to do wonderful surgery that you might be saved, all right? He said, and so they, the surgeon in his great skill or her great skill took the scalpel and then did their wonderful surgical work to save your life. When you were done and you had recovered, would you thank the surgeon or the scalpel? I had to stop and think about that, yeah. Because in effect, when we lead people to Christ or we're just trying to plant and water, we're we're just the scalpel. We're, We're just the vessel. We're just the tool that God is using. But he's the ultimate surgeon of the human heart. And he's the one who gets the glory. He's the one who does his work. So he says in verse verse 10, By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder. And someone else is building on it. Okay, again, he's referring to the fact, I planted this church five years ago, but I've left now. Someone else is building on it. I laid the foundation. He says, but each one should be careful how he builds. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Okay, folks, this is a clear verse to remind us the foundation of the church is Jesus Christ. The church better be built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Our faith needs to be built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus. The foundation is Jesus. And he says, if any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is. Because the day, capital D, in other words, the day of judgment, will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. So he's talking here about the church in general. It may very well translate to our lives in particular. But in general, he's talking about the church needs to be built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. He talks about gold, silver, costly stones. Costly stones, by the way, he's not talking about jewels, but he's talking about fine material like marble and granite. And then wood, hay, and straw, or stubble, some translations say. So it's, it's this picture of you wouldn't build a, a, a foundation, you wouldn't build a structure, a temple, with alternating materials of marble, and then wood, and then gold, and then straw. He says if you build something like that, it will show you know, what it's really made of, and it will crumble. So he's saying, don't compromise the work of God in any way. Make sure that you're building it in such a way that glorifies God, built on the foundation of Jesus Christ, because that day is going to come, and the judgment day is going to expose all this other stuff that was all man-made, man-contrived, man-centered, man-focused. 
So the church needs to be a church which is, which is built on the foundation of Christ. It is God-focused, it is God-centered, not man-centered or man-focused. He said, otherwise, it's, it's going to be exposed for what it is. He goes, you know, you, you might end up being saved as if escaping from the flames, but the whole work, if it was built upon this faulty wisdom or human effort or human focus, will be exposed for what it is and, and it won't last. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of Cornerstone Connection as we dig into the book of 1 Corinthians. The issues and situations that Paul was addressing in this letter to the Corinthian church are the same issues that churches face today. It's bold and courageous that Paul faced those things head on, and it would be negligent for churches today to not do the same. Despite the idolatry and sin that was running rampant in this culture, Paul encouraged the believers to be a light that shines in a dark world. You can be this today, in the dark world that surrounds you. Be a light that glows brilliantly and stands out against the dark blanket of sin that surrounds you. If you're ever in the Leesburg, Virginia area, we'd love to meet you in person at Cornerstone Chapel. Stop in for a service this Sunday at 8.30, 10, or 11.45 a.m., or join us for Bible study and fellowship on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Pastor Gary would love to hear your story and how you came to know about the radio ministry of Cornerstone Connection. Find out more details, such as where we're located, at cornerstoneconnection.cc. That's all we have for today. But join us next time to learn more from the book of 1 Corinthians right here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know You're not General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.